Welcome everybody to Rules of the Arena episode 36. This episode is made possible by Blind Ninja Studios, where you can find the show and others such as Department of Defense, Homebrew Bound, Soundwave, Legends of Lothos, and my new show called No Story Left Behind. This episode is also brought to you by Duck Hill Workshop, a small-scale sawmill and builders of fine furniture. You can find them on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can find them and watch episodes of Workshop Wednesday. And we are also brought to you now by Northwest Gutters. They install heavy-gauge seamless gutters on your home, business, and even barns. They even offer a leaf-free gutter cover installation, leaving you with virtually no maintenance gutter cover that will keep the leaves and debris out and water in, servicing northwestern Wisconsin, Minnesota. Call or text Northwest Gutters today for your free estimate, 715-416-0471. Joining me this week is not my co-host Ben because he's gone a wall on me, or the nurses revoked his, his I'll never uh, leave day you pass. <laughs> Must be his. You won't let me. And of course, uh, as you can hear, producer Casey is also here. Joining us this week is my cousin and national collegiate swim champion, if I got that right, uh, and hopeful Olympic athlete Colin Miller. Thank you for joining us, Colin. Uh, Just please introduce yourself a little bit for the folks listening. Well, thanks for having me, Gordon and Casey. I am Colin Miller. I'm a swimmer for University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, and this is my very last year, so I'm a senior. And yeah, I'm cousins with Gordon here. So, Colin, how how old were you when you first started swimming? Well, I've been swimming for 16 years now, so I was about five when I started swimming. And when did you start to consider you wanted to do this competitively? I think it was just natural for me. So I'm a very competitive person naturally, and they put me in the water, and that's just how it turned out. (laughs) Why swimming over other sports? Why not football, baseball, whatever the case may be, or even soccer? Well, I think that um, for me, swimming was the most mentally challenging um, in comparison to I, I, I did gymnastics back in the day and then I did some other sports but swimming it kind of it challenged me on, on a different level than those sports not that it's harder um, it's just different and I enjoyed that and did you start you know compet- did you have a competitive team in middle school or did that start in high school um, it started so Right off the bat, when I was like five years old, we were part of this Dolphins swim team at the YMCA, and they had their whole like they had their whole competition, and um, we would go to state meets with them as a team, and that's when the state meets and ABC and all that all that crap started. So, did you have to try out for the team at that age, or was it a kind of a walk on program? It was basically the top. I want to say like the top couple swimmers got to go and there were state times and you'd have to qualify basically. So how often do you have to practice for this? Well, it, it depends what, um, what time of the year it is during the summer. I was practicing six hours a day, four times a day, um, kind of just really doing the grunt work for season. And then during season, it, it also depends. So, Right away, we'll start with doubles. We'll have two practices a day, basically every day. And then over winter break, we get into the main training season and we'll go to, I think we're going to Puerto Rico this year. And we train three, four practices a day. So we'll lift, we'll do dry land, we'll swim, and then we'll swim again. And it it wears you out, but you get used to it over time. <laughs> so go back to my previous question. Why swimming? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't why know. not baseball? Because I've seen some outfielders out there, and it's like, well, why didn't I go into baseball? <laughs> right, you still could, Gordon. You're still in that prime. Um, I think that um, for me, uh, let me think here. Well, okay, so to be completely honest, when I first started, I didn't enjoy it. I hated it, and it was like I I swam because of the team, and I swam because of the teammates, and I love that aspect, but. The swimming itself, it wasn't enjoyable for me. And then towards high school, I started to, I basically formed a whole new family at the, with, with the team there. And I was like, there's no way I'm leaving it. And then entering into college, it was a whole new team. And I just fell in love. So, like you said, you're going to Puerto Rico, you said? Yeah, yeah. Is that is that paid for through the university or 
is there some does the team have to raise money and then do you have to put up some yourself as well it's a little bit of both so the team does like fundraising stuff and the team does um like swim lessons together and that goes towards the team trip and then the other half or the other portion of it we have to come up with is the puerto rico trip a competition trip or just for you guys to go down to puerto rico it's it's mostly for training. We okay. call it the training trip. But so are you guys going down to the Caribbean then and swimming in the ocean and <laughs> No, I wish. I wish. We get we get one day off. It's resistance training. You gotta fight the currents. Yeah, there you go. Where uh, where in PR are you going? I'm not entirely sure okay. yet. But we'll we'll find out. And like with the hurricanes and stuff going on, we'll I'm going in November, so Okay. Cool. Where are you headed? Uh we're well landing in San Juan and then uh just kinda going around the island. I spent a week in Port my brother lived in Puerto Rico for a few months. Yeah. Um and he lived on the south side in a little town called Salinas. Okay. And so when I was there, uh we just kind of explored the island. Highly recommend El Yunque. Um okay. the the like jungle uh, it's the only it's the only rainforest in uh the US National Park system. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. Do you get any free time when you're on these trips, not just Puerto Rico, or is it all from the day or from the moment you wake up till you hit the sack at night? Is it just eat, sweet, eat, sleep, and think swimming and training? Um, for the most part, well, we get one day off, and on that day we can do whatever we want. Um, we're not allowed to drink or do anything like that because it's we're in season and alcohol and whatever any kind of drug is out of bounds. But um during during the days that we are swimming which is i think we usually go for 10 days um we basically wake up swim eat lift eat sleep lift swim and it's uh, you you don't get much rest or i mean you don't get much of a break but you're basically recovering on in all the free time that you have what kind of workouts are you doing in the gym because like I go to the gym because I, I'm doing strongman, which is a completely different realm from swimming. Yeah. Mine is, you know, there's a emphasis on focus, but also then the strength, of course. You know, I need to be able to lift as much as possible, but I have to do it all day long. Where it seems like in swimming, especially in those longer meter races, it's more endurance. I mean, can, how do you train for that? Well, um, I think the way we set it up this year is lighter weight, higher repetition, so you have more of that endurance aspect. But because I'm a sprinter, I like to keep it lower weight. I mean, lower rep, higher weight. And it it depends. Obviously, we're not trying to bulk up. We're not trying to be giant mammoths in the pool because you have to carry that weight. But um, yeah, it's usually just high weight or medium weight, high rep. Do your coaches recommend? lift a b and c versus you know you know if you're looking at a bodybuilder they're doing bicep curls triceps and working the traps not really pertinent for you as a swimmer is there any machines or free weight exercises that help aid you in particular yeah yeah there's there's some very specific workouts that are um that target muscles specific for swimming And um, those are the ones that we focus on a lot. So we'll do a lot of core. We'll do a lot of um, deadlifts, squats, especially for breaststrokers like myself, um, legs like that. And then we try and stick away from stuff like curls because, I don't know, we don't use our biceps that much (laughs) in swimming. And we don't want to add we don't want to add extra muscular weight. So but tendinitis is great. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how many meets do you compete in during the season? You know, I actually had no idea, but when you sent me the <laughs> when you sent me the script, I, I did some looking up. But I think it's around twenty five meets a season, so that's from the beginning till the end. And how long is the season? Um, it's I'm trying to think, like seven seven months maybe. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. it's it's a long it's season. over half the year then. Yeah, yeah, and um, for most of us, we usually go back to our hometowns and then we'll swim with our club. So it's for me the season is year round. So do your coaches give you any off season workouts or programs to kind of work through or are you kind of left off on your own? Well, they can always recommend types of workouts. They can't give us anything specific because there's NCAA rules for division 3 sports and they're not allowed to give us specific workouts. 
which is kind of sad because I'd love to have more. Wait, oh wait, they Why can't they that? can't give you a specific workout? Yeah, they aren't allowed to work with you over the summer. Oh, the but they can't like so and they can't build a program that's that's like a wink wink nudge nudge hey. Yep, no. That's weird. Yeah. It's I mean, we figure it out. We come up with different programs and we find stuff. Could could you as a college athlete go and hire a personal coach? Yeah. Would there be yeah. blowback from the NCAA system from that? No, we can do that. I like my, for myself, I went and went to my club team and they had some coaching there as well. So that they they gave me some sets and yeah, it was good. Back it up a little bit. Did you know right away that you wanted to continue swimming going from high school into college or was it well it was it was kind of an interesting period because in high school I was kind of questioning whether I wanted to swim in college and I wasn't entirely sure because like I said I wasn't I didn't love the sport like I do now I was mostly there for the team and moving away from my entire team and going to a completely new team was like I wasn't sure if I was going to like it you know but then when I got to Eau Claire, I visited my brother who swam at Eau Claire and we, the, the entire swim team was on one hall. And I'm sure you both can imagine how that is with <laughs> all of these guys just messing around and hanging out together. And I got there and I literally, I just fell in love with it. So I, there was no other question in mind. So, where you, and you said you went to UW Eau Claire. Yeah, yeah. Did they offer any scholarships for you to continue swimming there? Not for swimming, because D3, you're not allowed to have uh, sports scholarships. So none none from that, yeah. So how how do you, you know, talking about looking at the time commitment for swimming, if you're working out four or five plus hours a day, how do you pay for college or balance out you know, the work, social life, and then, of course, there's also getting the class and actually passing the classes, which where I fell short on. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you get used to it after a while. You get used to the workload and to working extra hours in the summer to be able to um, afford swimming and afford going to school. So the first, excuse me, your freshman year, you come in and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be absolute <laughs> hell. And it kind of is, but after two, three years of doing it, you get used to it. And how many, you said you're looking at 25 meets during the season. Was that during high school or college? That was in, that's in college. It has Did that ramp up from high school? I mean, it, being in high school, I I want to say it's a easier, you know, yeah. air quotes. Um, but you're not on that same competitive level, if you will. I mean, it seems like the... Uh, not to be a pun, but the pool gets a little bit smaller between the, the you know the athletes. Yeah, yeah. God damn it, Gordon. Couldn't <laughs> help it. Been around Carlos too often. <laughs> um, so in high school, I swam for a club team because I went to a smaller school. We didn't actually have a swim team, and um, because I swam for a club team, there were fewer meets than if I swam for an actual high school. So team. when you're saying club team, that's like a community. Team, right? Yeah, like a like a private club. So you'd you'd pay. It wasn't part of the high school, is what I'm okay, saying. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's it's outside extracurricular. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Not not affiliated with the school, but the high schools had probably about the same number of meets that we do now. And so with a with a club team, uh, do you do meets against other clubs then, or how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. We had um we would have state meets. We'd have nationals and okay. all all that stuff. Yeah. What was the biggest change for you moving from club to a college team? Um, I think more specific training. So in club, they have like, I don't know, 200, 300 students and, or swimmers. And they're trying to do like a one-size-fits-all type schedule. And it, it works, but it's difficult. And um, with club or with college, you have fewer student-athletes. And the coach can kind of come and teach you and show you and have specific workouts for specific swimmers. And that's probably the best thing that the best thing for me, at least. But you find, you know, your teammates take things a little bit more seriously at, oh, the, yeah. high school, or at the college versus the club level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in high school, we were well, we were high school students. We were throwing <laughs> crap around in the locker rooms. We were running around 
messing around. But it, I mean, we're still having fun now, but it's a little bit more controlled, a little bit more mature. <laughs> Just a little bit, though. Oh, right. just a little bit. <laughs> I feel like we have two different college experiences. Yeah. <laughs> more, more freedom, more freedom, but yeah, I, more responsibility. I live in a frat house for two or three years. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, for your coaches while you're in season, they can work with you, obviously. Do they have particular or certain workouts that they want you doing? You know, be, like you're doing if you're competing in the shorter sprints versus guys that are doing the long, you know, it was, I think it's 800 meters is the longest I've seen in the Olympics. Yeah. In the Olympics. Yeah. We have the mile. Um, but that's just not in the Olympics yet. We'll see. Do, so do your coaches kind of sit there and program particular for, you know, if you're doing stroke a versus this and that. Yeah. Yeah. So we have sprint group, we have stroke group, and then we have distance and the stroke group is kind of like, middle distance usually they're training one or two strokes or i am which is all four strokes and then i am in the sprint group and that's short course or i mean it's shorter distance more explosive work and sometimes i'll do it breaststroke or fly depending on what what the day which well it depends on what my coach wants and what i'm feeling for the day and of course, I think everybody's seen the Michael Phelps diets at oh, some yeah. point online or another. I mean, do you monitor your diet, whether it's calorie counting or if you're counting the, just the macros or even the micros, or do you just eat whenever you feel like? Well, I eat all the time because <laughs> when you're swimming five, six hours a day, five, six hours a day. He's a 21 year old athlete, Gordon. He can eat whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Well, I, well, I miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> I can eat whatever I want. I don't, though. I, I'm actually pretty strict with what I'm putting in my body. It's, I think it was um, Michael Phelps, but he was, or maybe it was Ryan Lochte. I'm not entirely sure. He was talking about how he went from getting third, fourth in the Olympics, and then he came in and just crapped on everybody and took Michael Phelps and threw him in the, threw him in the trunk for, for a ride, basically. But um, he said like the difference between his training before that year and during that year was his food choices and he was he took a look he looked at it like it was a race car he looked at his body like it was a race car instead of putting some like crap diesel in he put in premium race fuel you know so i'm i'm focusing on keeping a well-balanced diet and trying to keep lots of veggies lots of meats lots of protein you know but yeah so a, a, a weekly average i mean what does that look like for you Calorie wise, calorie or you know specific foods that you say I can eat this, but I'm going to avoid this, or you know, I'm going to splurge a little bit at Grandma's 80th birthday party and have that extra piece of cake or you know, two extra pieces. In my case, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, for the most part, when I'm at school, when I'm in season, I'm pretty strict. I'll eat burgers without the bun. I'll have two, three salads per sit- per meal. Um, I'll do heavy vegetables like broccoli and then some cottage cheese, cheese, excuse me. Um, every now and then I'll splurge and have like a cookie or something, but I don't drink soda. I don't drink beer. I don't drink, um, any of that sugary stuff. Um, my sugar, I, my sugar intake is very, very low. The only type of sugar I get during season is through apples and other fruits and stuff like that. And as far as the recovery side of things go, I mean, do you take any supplements or do you have you done any research on your own as to how can I recover you know, faster outside of the anabolic steroid realm? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you don't look like you're on steroids. I've seen plenty of those. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I am actually pretty big into supplements. I've done for the last five, six years, I've been basically doing research on making my own supplement you actually tried that and you had some good results chinese magic yeah exactly (laughs) exactly um but i've been playing around with that and uh, so so far it's been it's been great it's been giving me some good results but um you mentioned recovery the best thing you can be doing is sleeping and you can be optimizing your sleep with supplements and with the food that you're eating and stuff like that so at least in, for me, as just an average college student, you know, there's the the triangle of three: you can pass classes, you can have a social life, or you can sleep. 
and you can pick two. So as an athlete, how do you balance that out? And, you know, of course, sleeping the most important part to recovery. When do you find time? Well, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just let one slide and it sucks. But for the most part, you get you come in freshman year and you start to figure that stuff out. You start to figure out what system works for you and what you need to maintain your social life, to maintain your sleep and to stay ahead in your in your classes. But um, for me, um, as long as I'm sleeping well, the other two seem to fall in line. So like classwork is much easier for me because I can stay focused in class because I'm well rested. And then what are you majoring in? I'm actually a business entrepreneurship major. Yeah. So I take all of the areas of business and kind of form them into one. So no super like technical hard science classes that you have to. Not really, no. <laughs> the, the dreaded biochem. <laughs> I, t- I took some biology classes, some actually upper-level biology classes, just because I was interested, but nothing nothing too crazy. So have you, what's your credit load like then? Are you just doing the minimum 12 as a full-time student? Or you- no, no. This semester I'm, I think, 17 or 16. Jesus Christ. But, <laughs> I mean, it's my senior year, so I got I to gotta finish strong. And then next semester, I'll be able to take, I think, 15, and then I'll be good. I've been consistently on 15 credits for the most part. I think last semester I dipped a little bit just because I wanted to have a little extra time to focus on swimming and making videos and stuff like that. So outside of, you know, obviously sleeping and then the supplements, I mean, have you tried anything like cryotherapy or you see the massage therapy? I've seen in the powerlifting and strongman realm more people doing yoga or you know stuff like that you know pilates whatever the case may be i mean and of course rest days are important do you schedule any of that in or have you tried any of that yeah um i haven't tried cryotherapy we do ice baths pretty regularly especially at meets um in regards to the um i'm trying to think here massage therapy that we have we have trainers at the school so if you have certain tight muscles you can go in and they'll massage you out and loosen you up and then there's there's a bunch of different available options through the trainer they'll do dry needling and all that stuff do you have a sauna on campus maybe i was just listening to it <laughs> i'm not entirely um, sure blared or laird laird um something the the xpt founder extreme performance training yeah what he was talking about on another podcast he'll do 30 minutes of ice bath 30 minutes of sauna 30 minutes and go back and forth over like two or four to six hours yeah and it helped, i guess the expansion contractions of the the blood vessels help with the the recovery time and yeah i was curious if that's being starting to trickle down to the collegiate level well we'll do we'll do um Hot baths, cold baths, hot baths, cold baths, and just alternate like that. I'm mostly a um, ice bath type of guy, so I'll go in the ice bath and then I'll go take a hot shower, and my we'll do them after practice, so my blood's already pumping pretty hard, and um, I don't know, the combination worked pretty well for me. Why an ice bath though? I've never. They suck. But I, I've gone through the ice a couple times out on the lakes, and yeah. like, I don't. When you're expecting it, it probably sucks worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. They just seem to work. I I hate them, but I love them at the same time. <laughs> now, do you have time during your off season? It sounds like you really ramp up your training. Do you or other athletes have time to get a part time or just even a summer seasonal job? Yeah, during the summer I work um, a fair amount. I do landscaping, so it's it's pretty taxing on the body when you're outside for eight hours a day (laughs) swinging a pickaxe at some I don't know whatever I'm doing but um it kind of it just depends on what your training schedule looks like and where you can fit in the work um this summer for the first two months I was doing the four practices a day basically six hours of hell every (laughs) single day it was workout eat sleep and that's all I did for the first couple months and I'd fit work somewhere in there just a few hours each day but um towards the end of the summer i was like okay i need to really start saving up for school because i can't just go into school without cash and i was going like 
eight to ten hours of outside landscaping a day and then I'd come in and do three hours of training I'd miss dinner I'd miss lunch with my family and then I'd eat at like 9 p.m go to bed that was my day for the last month basically so now it's nice because I have a little free time I have some time to socialize with my friends but yeah you get used to basically picking out what you need to do and then just doing it was your boss fairly understanding yeah knowing that yeah. you were doing this as well and kind of did did you have to fit your schedule around work or was he or they willing to work with you they were very willing to work with me i cannot even begin to explain how much of a blessing it was to work for that family it was actually just a private family that i was working under and i would just give them a call hey i need to i have this amount of time I need to work. Do you guys have anything for me to do? And I would come in and they'd help me out. Oh. But it was the best possible job for me. How far out were you scheduling then? Just a week or were you doing a few weeks, month? Like the night before, <laughs> if we had to. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't too serious, but I got paid like fifteen an hour, so it was nice. Oh not bad. Yeah. Knowing that, so going from high school to college, did you plan on, did you already have it pre-cemented that you wanted to continue continue swimming? And, of course, NCAA doesn't allow you to accept gifts or payments from companies, sponsors, whatever the case. Did you plan on that financially to have some extra cash to just uh, float you through the first year or so? A little bit, yes. Um, I had my dad actually help me out a lot with... Um, saving the money and investing the money and getting it all set up. And then my parents have been such a huge blessing for me because they have basically provided for a huge, if not all, of my college career. And, yeah, I owe them more than anything. So <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's almost like cheating having a, a father that's in finance. It, to be able it to really teach is. <laughs> it really is. Now, this year, and I got to course watch live uh, you took first place in nationals and you're now able to try out or you have made to the olympic swim team yeah so over the summer i was doing that crazy training schedule and i wasn't training long course which is why a lot of people were surprised when i got my trials cuts but basically i placed within the top 16 in the country for the 100 breaststroke oh wow and that will give me a decent shot at trials as long as I keep training the way I'm training. Or So now I go to trials this coming summer. Sure. And then all the fast swimmers who got the Olympic trials cuts will be there in wall race. And the top three will get to go. So is it just now the top 16 that you're down to going yeah. into next year? Yeah. How many events did you, did you compete in at nationals this year? Just three. Just three. Yeah, so I didn't have any relays because um, our relay was really, really close. We just barely missed nationals. But, um, yeah, hopefully this year we can get a couple relays to go. And obviously that adds to my swim load, but that's totally fine with me. I love having my, my swimmer friends there. What so, a, or how, how does your training change? Like, so now, now that you're in the top 16, you're like, okay, here are the things I need to work on. Like, how is that change? Has that affected your training schedule at all? Or are you just like, I'm just going to keep the same thing and kind of keep building off of that? Well, for me, it's, there's always that risk and reward. So you can change something up and risk failing, or you can just stay the same and go the same. But the way I see it is if you aren't risking, you aren't going to you aren't going to do much, mm-hmm. anything incredible. So I'm, I'm constantly changing okay. all the time. Every single day I'm working on something new. I'm always trying to work on a new technique. I'm watching other competitors. I'm watching Adam Peaty, Caleb Dressel, some of these guys who are breaking world records. And um, just watching them, I'll study their strokes, and I'll really hone in on what they're doing right, and then I can kind of use that for my, how I'm changing my stroke. Do you yep. ever go back and look at film of yourself and go, on this lap, I should have done this differently? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's All one of those time. things. I feel like if you're not, you're not growing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, need to, you need to, like, really review 
your races especially because that's when you make those little mistakes that you need to focus on during season and fix during season so you don't make those mistakes those mistakes again so what does that look like for if there's say a high school athlete listening or a parent of an athlete you know what are they looking for because i can watch football you know especially backers i am the worst backseat coach there is i'm yelling at the tv or my phone in this case uh you should have run this direction you should have run you should have done a b or c but you did d yeah you know what is it what are you looking for when you're reviewing film well that's a good question I'm looking for a lot of different things. And we're looking for what they're doing differently, what they're doing really well. And I'm just kind of comparing it to my stroke, how I'm doing it. And I kind of morph it all together. But if I had to give some advice for a high school student or another athlete, the most important thing is to focus on details because that's where you win the races. If you miss a turn in 100 or 50, it's done. Like even the start, if you, you're off by a quarter of a second, you're done. So it's all in the details, especially in the sport of swimming. And are you, do you watch film, you know, as a team with your coaches and they help break stuff down for you? Yeah, sometimes we'll go in right now, tonight, we're actually supposed to, I'm supposed to be at a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> There's a high chance they're going over some footage and my coach actually just texted me. <laughs> Um, if I had the video of my 100 breast or the 50 free, those are the two I got the trials in. But yeah, I'll be missing out, but that's, that's fine. Gordon mentioned uh, parents of like high school athletes and stuff. Um, were your parents super involved in, uh, in your meets and stuff? Or did you see parents that were too involved in people's hmm. meets? And do you have any advice for... Like parents who their kids are getting involved in thing, like what level they should push or not. Well, I think first of all, there are definitely some parents who are pushing way too hard. There were back in high school, there were a couple parents who would come to every single practice and they'd sit through the whole two and a half hour practice, watch their kid, make sure they're doing every little thing right, and that's that's obviously a little bit too micromanaging helicopter parent for me. But um, did they ever get involved with the coaching staff? I'm not entirely sure. Probably if they're if they're that close, (laughs) if they're literally just peeking over people's shoulders, um, there's a high chance they were. But with my parents, they kind of they came to all my meets. They were always there to support me. And they I think they gave me the freedom to do what I wanted. And that was probably the best possible thing they could have done. So supportive, not managing is yes. the yes. is the key. Exactly. Well, if you need a talent manager, you know, when you hit the Olympics and you're... Yeah, Gordon might be able to find one for you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm a great talker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, so you said you've you've watched film of some other athletes i mean do you keep tabs on the competition and see what they're doing i mean especially in today's realm of social media everybody's got to take that gym selfie you know post the video and i'm guilty of it too of the workout i mean do you do you look at that kind of stuff oh my goodness i pay closer attention to other athletes than i do to myself um every race like i mentioned earlier adam pd and caleb dressel my, if you talk to my coach, she might say that I'm slightly obsessed with them because <laughs> <laughs> literally every day I'm coming in and I'm like, have you noticed Caleb Dressel does this, 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 and this? And yeah, I study them very, very closely, probably closer than they study themselves. So, <laughs> so when, so you've now, you're top 16, uh, when does the, 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 I guess, meet? officially start and is it just a one day thing if you make the cut you do and if you're not you're out or is it can you is it a uh, a process of getting to the top three it's a process so i haven't done a bunch of research on this because i'm kind of focusing on my current situation with ncaa's and focusing on this season but um i think there is semifinals Okay, there's prelims, semifinals, and then finals. So you have, first you have to swim the semifinals. Did I say that right? So there's the first one, the second one, and the third one. You said the prelims. Yes, there we go. 
semifinals, finals. So you have to make it to semifinals, and then you have to make it to finals, and then finals is usually top 16. So it's you're there for multiple days, and you're there's multiple races that you're swimming, especially if you have made it in multiple races. But it's definitely a process, and it all starts next summer in Nebraska. So uh, how many days are you looking at then, assuming you make it through the whole thing, you make it to top three? Um, I'm not entirely sure. For sure, two days, but I'm not entirely sure. We'll see. And it's not till next summer. We're currently in whatever uh, September 2019. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be competing in 2020 for this spot. Are you feeling nervous yet? No, not even a little bit. Not until you said, are you feeling nervous? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, my dad told me when I was younger at the state meet that... Um, all you have to do is think about your nerves and use them as excitement instead of nervousness. And that was at a time when I was, I would get so nervous that I would throw up before each race. And ever since then, it's, I don't really have nerves before a race. I don't see the point, I guess. Just that hyper focus. Yeah, exactly. On what you got to do. Exactly. Looking back, you know, probably thousands of hours of hard work that you've put in and training competitions over these years and worst case scenario you don't make the olympic team you know what's next do you continue with training and try again the next time it comes around or do you make a career change and use your your four-year degree on something yeah well i think it depends it depends on how the season goes and it depends on how much i miss it by if i do and um, obviously, if I'm in the top top eight, I'll I'll find a post grad group or a pro group to train with, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm mostly focused on NCAA's because when with those times at NCAA's, I'll be be able to find a post grad group or a pro group to train with because I'll be like, hey, look, I did this. I broke the national record in this. Let me come swim with your team. And um, as long as I can get into one of those groups, I think it's only a matter of time before I can start being top in the country. With a, a postgrad or a pro group, I mean, again, the question is, if you, you still have bills to pay. Yep, yep. If you got an apartment, you got to pay rent or you know, insurance, whatever the case may be. I mean, how do you balance out or is there a siphon for athletes to try to cover the bills? Well, it depends on how fast you are. If you're fast enough to get sponsorships, that will help provide for most of your needs also if you're top six in the country you can get funding well you do get funding from the united states to swim for a united states team basically and you'll you'll go around and swim at meets where you can win money and all that good stuff but also there's a high chance being a pro athlete you will have to work some outside of the pool so which is fine with me (laughs) so uh as like have is coaching a thing like on your radar at all or is that a completely different skill set that you haven't really worked on like coaching younger swimmers coming up well um this past summer i did do a training camp with a bunch of little kids and i actually loved it it was really fun it's nice to see um kids kind of absorb the information that you can pass on to them and if that's an option while i'm swimming then i think that might be a good a good option for me and it's not my number one choice, but, okay. but yeah. So now if you, or when you make the Olympic team, I mean, what's the steps that you have to look at, of course, besides the Summer Olympics? I mean, do you have to move closer to the team or can you continue to practice where you want with a coach of your choice or is that all provided for you? Um, I think that it's kind of up to the athlete for the most part. I think you can bring your coach with you because they don't want to separate the dynamic duo, you know. But um, I do think that they have a training facility where all this athlete, all these athletes come and they train together, especially towards the as we're approaching Olympics, because they want their relay teams to be training together. I'm I'm completely off on my Olympic schedule. When is the next Summer Olympics? This summer. 2020. Yeah, 2020. Holy Jesus. Yeah, it's coming up quick here. <laughs> I moved north of eight. Well, I mean, Gordon, you, you know how you said that he was trying out for the 2020 team, 
And I didn't that. say a year unintentionally <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, when is the Summer Olympics? <laughs> yeah, no, it's coming up pretty quick here. Do they, would they, no, say if you don't have a coach that you've been working with and that you bring down to training camp, do they have coaches available that you could interview at least or work with and just see who is a good fit for you? Yeah, so they do have an Olympic coach who kind of is like the head coach for the Olympic team and he kind of controls most of it. But um, as soon as NCAA is over, um, I will be looking for a post-grad group to train in and that will entail me looking for a coach, basically, a coach that I want and would like and would like to have me. So it kind of it depends. A lot of the stuff depends. Is there a website that you can go to or do coaches send resumes out to you or how does that look it's like a coach tinder <laughs> <laughs> i wish uh, no um usually the athlete either well okay so i'm in a particularly different situation because i'm a division three athlete and um usually if you're a division one athlete which is the athletes that are going to the to these olympics there's not many d3 athletes that are training for Olympics and Olympic trials. But um, usually you just stick with your college coach and they'll train you in their post-grad group. But I don't know if I'd be able to, I don't know the situation with my college coach. Obviously I love Annie, that's her name. And um, I don't know what the situation is, if she would be able to come help me train and sacrifice her college training career for me so what will likely happen is I'll go to other Division One pro groups, at like post-grad groups, and I'll try and find somebody that wants me and that I would like to train under. So, yeah. And, you know, being from Divisions Three, I you know, both my parents graduated from Eau Claire. I really like the campus, but oh, yeah. why did you go to a Division Three? Why didn't you go to Madison, U of M, you know, the local D1 schools or, you know, even cross-country? Yeah, well, um, like I said earlier, when I visited the school, I came to visit my brother, and I literally just fell in love. Could not, could not, you couldn't pay me to go to any other school, because it was literally like, I came, I saw them hanging out, we played basketball for like six hours straight, and it was just the most fun I'd had in years. So I, as soon as that happened, as soon as I saw the team, how they interacted together, the giant family that it is, I was hooked. So no other Division One school could get me. Do you have you competed against other D one athletes? Yeah, yeah. This summer there was. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. There were there were a couple of pro swimmers at the meet that I was at where I got my Olympic trials cuts, and um, they're quick. <laughs> They're very quick. Is there some camaraderie between athletes, even though, you know, well, I'm Division One, I'm high and mighty at Madison or whatever. Yeah. You're only Division Three, you know, or is there some camaraderie there? Um, it, it depends. It depends how fast you are, I think. So if I'm coming in and kicking D1 swimmers' butts, they're like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> some, of them, some of them aren't too happy about it, but some of them are pretty nice and they're... They're willing to come and talk to me and say, hey, I saw you swim. That's awesome. Good for you, dude. And, of course, when you make the Olympic team, again, that question is, do you have, well, it doesn't seem like you have time for a full-time job. How do you get by with just covering the bills that life throw at you? Yeah, well, I'll, I mean, I'll, can sponsors come to you right away i mean can we expect to see on the wheaties box in yeah, 2021 that would be amazing <laughs> um as soon as i graduate as soon as i'm out of university of wisconsin eau claire um and my ncaa contract is done i'll be able to take any sponsorship and all that good stuff so as basically as soon as i'm done i can take sponsorship sponsorships but i can also run my own businesses in college i wasn't able to have like a an image-based business because I'd be using my likeness for it, I guess, and that's against NCAA rules. Yeah, it seems like having like your your major being entrepreneurship and business, like, and in a world where increasingly everybody is their own brand, that seems like almost like a like a huge handicap. Yeah, yeah, it is. But 
I think that um, coming out of college, I'll be. I'm. I have a vlog, so I'm gonna start posting. What's your uh, What's your What's your vlog handle? Oh, I, it's just Colin Miller Vlogs. Colin on, Miller Vlogs on YouTube. On YouTube. All right. Yeah, but um, I have a vlog, so I have traffic from that and stuff like that. And then, as obviously, as I get faster and as I improve, as I have been for the last couple of years, um, I'll get more and more attention, and I'll be able to hopefully sell that supplement that I've been working on for the past six years Which of my be life. Awesome, because it's the only pre-workout that I've. For me, I I like pre-workouts because they wake me up because I'm operating on little to no sleep. Yeah. But I don't like the beta alanine tingly face yeah, and exactly. fingers and it's like, yeah. But then there's the crash afterwards, mm-hmm. which I know is with your, again, the weird Chinese magic mushroom <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. There's no crash. Yeah. And I, I didn't feel like I'm really hyped up. It's just, you know, it woke me up and just kept me kind of level. Yeah. From there on out. Um especially the the supplements that I'm looking into they're all natural so they aren't going to pick you up and then throw you back down on the ground excuse me <clears throat> on the ground um but yeah I've I've stayed away from all of those like C4 pre-workouts and all that stuff just because they I don't know what's in it really and my the workout that or the pre-workout that I've been working on is I mean I made it for myself so I wouldn't, I wouldn't particularly put anything in it that I wouldn't put into my own body. Do you think this is something you want to do, you know, post athletic career, if you will, uh, stay in the supplement industry, or do you are you thinking maybe you want to go get a quote unquote real job or the nine to five job? Um, I'd love to start my own business. Like I said, um, the I'm a ma- my major is business entrepreneurship. So that's what I've been studying for, and that's what I enjoy the most. So that's obviously my first option if that's not working out. And the odds are I'll have to find a real job to support that for the first couple of years. But um, my brother and my dad are currently working together at his finance firm. So that is always an option if I need it, which is an amazing option. So. Looking back at all, would you change anything, whether it be a different sport, you know, stopping after high school, not getting into swing at all, or even a different major? Not a chance. I wouldn't change a single thing. It's been the best, especially in these college years, it's been the best four years of my life, and I couldn't change a single thing to make it better. And looking back at your entire career as an athlete and student, what has been your biggest challenge? Mm, well, for swimming, I think it's mostly a mental challenge. It's getting it in your head that you have to do this every single day, all the time, and you have to be constantly on and never have an off day. Otherwise, you're going to get beat. And that is a huge, like, every single day you wake up and you're like, all right, I got to do this. Like, there's no backing out. And it's difficult, but I, I enjoy it, so... Have you ever fallen into that trap? The, I'm not going to do it today, but I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow turns into three days, and then it's next week, and then it's a month, or whatever the case may be. Oh, yeah. Back in high school, um, I was not, I didn't, I particularly did not have the best attendance. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, my teammates didn't like me for that. But now that I'm in college, I've grown up a little bit and matured a little bit and looked at it from a different perspective, so... What got you out of that? Was it, did somebody say something to you or was it just an internal change? I think it was the team. I think I got to Eau Claire and I just fell, fell back in love with swimming and the team there and every single one of my teammates motivates me every day. And I look up to all of them because they all have areas of their lives where that I can learn from and going and practicing and seeing how hard they work just makes me want to work harder. What would you say has been your, again, across your entire career, has been your biggest challenge? Entire career? Um, obviously... Oh, I'm sorry, not challenge. <laughs> Ask that question twice. Reward. What's your, been your biggest reward? Oh, man. Um, there's too many rewards, I guess. The biggest one is the friendships that I've made. I could not trade those for anything. Literally, I would turn down millions of dollars for 
just the friendships that I've made at Eau Claire and the bonds that I've formed with my guy friends and all the girls on the team and even my coaches. So, Has there been any mentors or heroes in particular that you've kind of looked to for motivation or you just kind of reach out to like, I'm in this, I'm in this rut, help me out here? Well, there is a long list, a long, <laughs> long list, but probably the biggest mentors in my life are my older brother Dayton and my dad, and they really showed me how to work like a dog and to put your head down and to just get it done. And without them, first of all, I wouldn't be going to Eau Claire because Dayton wasn't there. And Dayton was actually the reason I started swimming in the first place when I was five years old. So, um, yeah, they, those, between those two, they're some of the biggest mentors I have. And then obviously my coaches, my teammates, like I said, I look up to everybody in, in that whole area of my life and yeah. If anyone's listening at, if they're an athlete or there's a student or maybe they're even in competitive, competitive swimming or otherwise, uh, what kind of advice would you offer them? Well, that's a good, a really good question. I think the best advice I could possibly give would be to work hard, work smart, and stay humble. Because as soon as soon as you start being proud of anything that you've done, someone's going to knock you off your pedestal, and it's going to make a loud splash, and it's not going to be good. So, yeah. Well, thank you again, Colin, for coming down thank on you. the show. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I know you got a bit of a haul to get back home and for skipping out on a meeting uh, <laughs> with the team. And thank you again, Ben, for not being here tonight. I do appreciate Yeah, why are you, you thanking Ben? <laughs> <laughs> and Casey for doing all the hard work that I can't do. And for every one of you for tuning into this episode, uh, it wouldn't be possible without all of you. Make sure to tune into the show on Twitch where you can join the conversations live just head over to twitch.rulesofthearena you can also find this episode and all others on blindninjastudios.com slash ROA also available for download and streaming on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher and CastBox make sure to, to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch the live recordings of previous episodes don't forget to check out my new ep- my new show called No Story Left Behind a podcast featuring military veterans talking about their careers while serving in the armed forces If you'd like to support the show, there are a couple ways you can help out. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also support the show directly by going to patreon.com slash rules of the arena podcast. I have a couple ways you can help out there. If you'd like to get a hold of me directly for any comments, concerns, or would like to be a guest on the show, please shoot me an email to roapodcastinfo at gmail.com. Thanks again, folks, and we will catch you next time.